0: Well, if you head down the road a little ways to the um, you know, Department of Revenue, if you're going to apply for a driver's license, or maybe you need to work on a passport, traveling on vacation or uh, with work, you're going to need to show them some proof of citizenship uh, that you were actually born here in the United States, or you went through the process of, uh, of becoming an eligible U.S. citizen. And for most of us, we don't think much about that. You know, if we were born here in, in the U.S., well then, you know, of course we have this citizenship. Uh, we have the birth certificate. We have a Social Security card. Um, but for others, that, that, that can be quite a process for those who aren't naturally born citizens of uh, the United States. Uh, I found one uh, checklist. It was a 10-step checklist to become a U.S. citizen, starting with, well, determine if you're eligible and then you fill out the form, and then you start collecting all the paperwork for the form, and then you have an interview, and this is, it's a very long process. And I'm sure if our brother uh, Steve Sanford were here, he could explain a little bit more about that. Um, but then at the end, in step 10 of this process, it was called understanding U.S. citizenship. It says there are things that all U.S. citizens, there, there's rights and responsibilities that they're to honor and respect, uh, just by way of reminder. Let me read a couple of them for you. Freedom to express yourself. Freedom to worship as you wish. Uh, right to a prompt and fair trial. Right to run for elected office. Freedom to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, support and defend the Constitution. That's a responsibility. Uh, stay informed of the issues affecting your community. is a responsibility. Uh, participate in the democratic pro- process. Respect the rights, beliefs, and opinions of others. Participate in your local community. Serve on a jury and defend the country if the need should arise um, so rights and responsibilities of all citizens uh, it's a great privilege something that we uh, probably don't appreciate until it's threatened or we have to somehow prove our citizenship and so that the church in Philippi and the citi- the citizens of that city are in a, in a unique place because they are part of a Roman colony um, Many of its citizens were Roman citizens, and that would often be in exchange for time spent in military service. It carried a special status with it. And even Paul's very appeal in Rome and the time that he has spent in front of these pretty important civic leaders, you may recall in Acts 23 Acts 26, he stands in front of some some big shots, um, very likely owing to the fact that he is a Roman citizen. So the citizenship was highly prized, no less so in the church than outside of the church. Uh, so that, that's the backdrop of Paul's charge here. Um, those in the church could easily be spending more time and energy and concern in keeping their rights and responsibilities as Roman citizens than allegiance to Christ. So their, their citizenship to their heavenly kingdom is put on the back burner. Um, So, you know, that's not just a danger for the church back then. I hope we hear that for ourselves as well. We may have good proof of citizenship, maybe in our wallets, maybe in the lockbox back home. But what proof could we offer of our citizenship in a heavenly country? Paul says if we're to, to share in his suffering, if they are partakers of this grace shown to them, Uh, then they must live as worthy citizens of the gospel. The way they think, the way they speak, the way they carry themselves uh, in the community has to be uh, consistent with this. Uh, Worthy citizenship in the kingdom of Christ is going to include striving, suffering, and a deep security in the grace of God. So striving, suffering, and security. I I wonder if you received any letters in the mail this last week from an organization or maybe an individual that you're praying for, that you're supporting I got one in the mail this last week from a dear brother who's serving uh, Air Force cadets in Colorado, and it's just a short couple of sentences, just providing an update on how he's doing. But I love, I love getting these in the mail, uh, because when, when I read them, I think, you know, yeah, that's, that's the man I know and love. The work continues. Um, this is Paul's desire for the church. Whether he's released or he gets some news back in Rome, he wants to say, yeah, that's the church I know and love. They're standing together. They have one mind, one purpose. They're striving together for the faith of the gospel. And that phrase is a little strange. You know, what, what is the faith of the gospel? It could very well be the personal faith, the individual faith of each member in the church. Uh, but also carries with it the, the cause of faith. Standing, contending. the gospel through word through conduct it's a manner of life worthy of the gospel worthy gospel citizenship and this is a battle it's a fight it is a struggle to stand for truth and to place the values of God and his kingdom above all opposing values and just the the onslaught of lies That bombard the church. And we simply cannot read the New Testament um, without a very clear picture that life in Jesus, life as citizens of heaven, will be a fight. It is a striving against a relentless enemy. And if that's something we're going to make any progress in, contending for the faith, we must do so together, striving side by side. I, uh, I hit the Arkansas Trail a couple of weeks ago now on my road bike. And uh, some of it was flooded over and it was kind of a disaster zone. But at riding through there, I, I saw one of those tandem bikes. Um, my grandparents used to have one of these. Yellow Schwinn tandem that they'd ride all over town. Um, have you ever tried riding one of these things? They are no joke. I mean, it's hard. Uh, the person in the back sort of has to has to trust the the person in the front. You both have to work on your balance. And you both have to pedal if either one of you are going to enjoy the ride at all. Uh, So Paul's placing a strong emphasis here on unity in the church. You need to be focused. Moving in the same direction. Everyone peddling and fighting this battle together in the fear of God and not in the fear of man. Uh, Here's a danger I think we run into at this point. You've heard what has just been said. You've heard it from this pulpit or in other places of worship. We believe that the battle exists. We do. I mean, our, our flesh continues the attack. Our sin just pops up, you know, faster than those dandelions after you cut the yard. Um, the values and goals of the culture seem to oppose us at every turn. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, the gospel is such a contradiction to everything the world stands for That of necessity, it will lead to conflict with the world. And Satan, spiritual forces of evil, they they are on the leash of Almighty God and of His Christ, but they want nothing more than our destruction. It's a battle. We believe this is true, but do we actually embrace it for ourselves? See, it's one thing to believe and say the battle exists. It's another thing altogether to take up arms. And jump into the battle. To get on that bike with your brother or sister in Christ and start to pedal. Okay, so I know we have several gals who are out this morning. And ladies, so thankful that you are here and present with us. And what I'm about to say applies to all, but I want to focus specifically on the men for just a minute. Men, young men, we need to take the lead in this battle against sin. We need to stand for the truth and beauty of the gospel in our families, the workplace, in our communities here at the church. Your wife, your children, your grandchildren, they are looking to you to take this lead. To stand and fight for the gospel if you believe that it's true. They may be more mature than we are. They probably are in a lot of ways. But they're still still looking to us because of the God-given role we have, one that we cannot escape. If they, if they don't see us in the Word, if they don't see us on our knees in prayer, if they don't see a priority in studying God's Word with others, then what, what's going to give them a sense of urgency? Uh, it's not going to be a priority for them, certainly not something to suffer for. So men, young men, we need each other in this Uh, In this battle, striving side by side for the cause of the gospel. And here, if if you're not serving in the church in some way, then it's time to reevaluate. uh, What is the priority? How are you really taking up uh, the fight or being equipped for this fight uh, that we share together? Uh, And I I don't mean you're sitting on every committee or that you're teaching uh, Sunday school, as important as those things are. Maybe you have a talent or an interest that's not being utilized in the life of the church. Let's explore that. How you could use that passion uh, to serve. To be a covenant member of Christ's church and not be serving in some way is to just lay down in the midst of the battle or to retreat altogether. Um, We need one another in this fight. Um, Stand firm for the cause of the gospel. This is men, women, children. Our lives should conform to the kind of people that we say we are. God's people. Redeemed people. Our Creator has has come to our rescue. He has saved us from the depths of our sin and raised us up to the resurrected life of Christ. Restored to us the glory that we've displaced in so many ways. This is grace beyond measure. This is the way, the truth, the life. Stand for this. Stand for Him. And do not be afraid. So Paul tells the church then, he tells us now, not to be frightened by uh, her opponents. Uh, Suffering that comes with this opposition, it's something that is expected. Uh, It's even a gift, which I know is a hard pill to swallow. Uh, Maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, But who are these opponents that Paul is speaking of? It's not likely those who are in the church. Okay, He's, he's writing to those uh, in the church. Um, and remember, he's, he's even willing to, uh, to, to put up with folks who are speaking the gospel and stabbing him in the back at the same time. So it's not likely those either. But those outside the church, antagonists uh, to the message, could even be the, the forces of evil in the heavenly realms, spiritual opposition, to the truth of the gospel. The church is to stand and not be frightened or intimidated. I like the picture of a, you know, a horse and there's, there's a gunshot and the horse just sort of rears up and jumps. Um, the church, you and me, uh, we're not to live lives in, in, that, in such anxiety and agitation that we jump at every shot. Fired at us or fired at uh, the Christian community. I'm often surprised at myself. I'm surprised at myself. I'm surprised at the, the church at large, at just how jumpy we are. Um, attack against our freedom to worship, or maybe it's a piece of legislation that's threatening. Violence we can't explain. Slander against Christ. We throw our hands in the air. We go, whoa, what's, what's happening? What are you seeing this? This is it. The Lord hasn't taken the day off. He's not stepped down from his throne. None of this surprises him, including the suffering endured for his name. Uh, Paul does not have all uh, suffering in view here, but suffering for the sake of Christ. Uh, Suffering is inevitable in a world that is hostile to God. It's even proof of citizenship uh, for those who stand and strive uh, for the cause of Christ. As uh, he preached on the mountain in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all, all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's a blessing, a privilege, says Jesus, to suffer for his name. The apostles believed it. Remember Peter and John in Acts chapter 5. They were arrested. They were beaten by the council. Never to speak the name of Jesus again. Here's what they said in verse 41 of Acts 5. Then they left the presence of the council. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Worthy to suffer. It's kind of like you know, death is far better. We read last week. Something has to change in our hearts. In our psyche. For us to believe that when we think of suffering and persecution i think most often we consider that the physical suffering and violence against christians our spiritual ancestors who were burned at the stake tossed into the arena maybe more recently beheadings at the hands of islamic state that type of violence may come to us if we faithfully stand upon God's Word. But suffering tends to look a little different for us uh, here and now in, this, uh, in the West in particular. Um, it's being, being excluded, ostracized, maybe at school, at the office. Um, maybe you're looked over for a promotion. Uh, losing a civil dispute because of integrity could be an example. Uh, Christians are accused of being indecent or intolerant, even hateful, for talking about the truth of the gospel. Um, And and most of the folks you meet, I think we're honest, most of the folks you meet, the cars driving all around you, sitting in the stadium next to you, uh, those in your neighborhood, they will be okay generally with religious chit-chat, if that ever comes up. Um, Religiosity, sort of this churchiosity of our time, it's well ingrained you know, where do you go to church? Well, I go to church here. I go to church here. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. It's, it's pretty common. Um, but if you ever get to the point of really talking about gospel truths, and maybe it's not even a, a one-to-one conversation. Maybe you've made a decision or your family has made a decision that, um, that points to the character of God and, uh, and, and His values, His rule don't expect a warm hug or invitation to supper at that point if you do praise god for it and enjoy that fellowship but the hardened heart will run from the face of god or turn and fight and you're the closest one to that fist or that accusation or that lawsuit and it's easy to say well they can't do that this is this is the united states they can't demand medical professionals to do certain things. They can't close down businesses because the owner believes a certain way. They can't refuse or, or refuse service or admission to a school. That's illegal. So I think. But here's something to chew on over the dinner table this afternoon. Since when does sin have any regard for the law? Or for justice. The law makes sin known. Romans chapter 7. It's one of Paul's great discourses on the relationship between sin and the law. Human rebellion against God says what is right is wrong. And what is wrong is right. Because the only right, the only law, is that which the idolatrous heart makes itself. So all those, where would I put them? All those rights and responsibilities that U.S. citizens pledge to honor and respect, the sinful heart actually undermines and fights against. So I think the only true and honest and faithful citizens that they must have an allegiance to one greater, a rule and citizenship that transcends all earthly allegiance. I'd like to say more on that, but I can't. Uh, Lloyd-Jones, he brings it back uh, so well. The world is attacking the truth, and yet it is the only thing that can save them. So even for their sakes, we must stand for it, because nothing else will suffice. We will see and experience suffering for the sake of Christ. In church, we can suffer well. The The worst that could happen is death. And Paul's already shared the beauty of that. Jesus gives some very powerful, hair-raising instruction in Luke chapter 12. Really tuck these verses away. Maybe memorize these this week. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. I will tell you whom you should fear. Fear him, who after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, fear him. Paul Paul is suffering at the hands of the Romans officials. Uh, It was true in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. Remember, they, they threw him in jail and they found out he was a Roman citizen and said, whoops, our bad, sorry, just going to be on your way. Uh, so he knows the conflict that they face in this church, and it's one he's still enduring. Uh, but this conflict, this suffering is a clear sign. It's proof that they are eternally secure in Christ. So what, what opponents of the gospel see as, as a jab, as a, as a downfall, as a blow is really a vindication and the glory of the Christian. Uh, Paul mentions two things, really two gifts that God uh, gives to his church for assurity, security. The first is belief itself. Our faith, past, present, and future, is a gift of God's grace. If we're to continue as worthy citizens of the kingdom, it will be by the working of the Holy Spirit in us. God granting the faith to persevere. And the second is suffering. Suffering for the name of Christ and the truth of, of the gospel. And see, those who are originally hearing this, I don't think much has changed. Uh, this is insane. <laughs> to suffer for the gods? Uh, gods are supposed to relieve suffering. Um, for this to be a gift would have been ridiculous language uh, to those that are hearing this. The apostle actually says, you know, it is a sign of judgment. When the Christian suffers for the gospel, it's not judgment for the Christian. Those who oppose Christ are only securing their own destruction. But to strive and endure for the gospel is to rest securely in the arms of our Heavenly Father. So, brothers and sisters, take heart. Take heart this morning. If you're being attacked, however subtle or however openly, because you believe in Christ or you're standing on the truth of His Word, it is a grace of God. It is proof of citizenship. Suffering for the Christian is an assurance of who it is we belong to. Our salvation is secure because the suffering servant has gone before us. Enduring every hostility against himself that we might no longer fear, but rest in the arms of our Savior in His love, God grants faith, He governs suffering. Standing for Christ is really the best way, it is the best way that you can love your neighbor. I know that seems strange. But to be a model citizen of heaven is to love those who rage against it. You may very well place the day of God's judgment before them. And all men will give an account of their allegiance, of their true citizenship. What will they say on that day before the living God? What will they show as proof of citizenship? A passport? A driver's license? A list of every day that they are without sin? That's a pretty short list. But those who endure to the end, the Christian stands arms open, says, I have nothing. I have no proof. Nothing that I belong here but the cross of Christ. Christ. I am here because he is worthy. He is the, the perfect citizen who's fulfilled all the requirements on my behalf. He is my only proof. So, you and I are, are citizens of this state. We're citizens of uh, this land. We have rights and responsibilities that we are to uphold. And, and uh, you know, we're going to stand probably more often in the next few months with our hands over our heart, and we're going to. Sing that anthem and there would be others standing around us, uh, unified and paying respect and allegiance to the nation. But let's remember that our fundamental allegiance is to the person of Jesus. The finished work of Christ. The gospel is the anthem of heaven. It should unify us. It should stir us with a desire to strive together for the glory of Christ. Let's pray, Lord. What uh, what a great joy it is to be citizens of your heavenly kingdom only on the proof of the cross. Only upon Jesus can we come. Can we live as worthy citizens of your kingdom, and Lord? We thank you that you have secured this citizenship for us. Lord, may we live as uh, as those worthy, um, continuing to walk in faithfulness. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made this journey for us, that we have full victory, that you have suffered in our place, that we too might suffer well as citizens of our heavenly kingdom. I thank you for this time in your word, in Jesus' name, amen.